Screen Time with John Fardy. This is News Talk. Hello and welcome to Screen Time. I'm John Fardy and this is News Talk's TV and movie show. This week on the show, the great English actor Simon Callow talks to me about dancing on the stage for the hit musical Anything Goes, as well as that famous death and four weddings and a funeral. Joe Locke, the young star of Netflix's hit Heartstopper, talks to me about his newfound fame and finishing his A-levels. Plus, Mark Ryle reviews the much-talked-about on Colleen Kewen and Mark Wahlberg in the evangelising Father Stew. I'm open on Twitter, John underscore Fardy, or you can email me, screentime at newstalk.com. This show is available as a podcast every Friday at 5pm on newstalk.com or the Newstalk app powered by Go Loud. And it's on the radio every Saturday at 6pm right here on Newstalk. If you're listening on the radio, we're coming to you at 7 o'clock this week, an hour later. Good weekend to you all. Hope you're doing well. Now, a lot on the show this week, so I want to quickly tell you about a TV show I was watching this week that went a little like this. Growing up, I felt different. I was 35, and I take a DNA test. When I opened up Ancestry, I had over 3,000 hints. All of these random names were popping up, and it said close family. We all matched the name Klein. Dr. Klein was the best infertility doctor in Indianapolis. Right then, I knew Klein was our biological father. So that's when strange things started happening. Now, that is a clip from Our Father, which landed on Netflix on Wednesday of this week. And it's about, as you heard from the trailer there, a group of people realizing when they do DNA tests that they're related and through a series of investigations they figure out that they all are the product of a sperm donor who was a doctor who was treating their mother for fertility uh, this reprehensible doctor called Klein who was getting sperm from their supposed fathers not using it and impregnating their mothers with his own uh, reprehensible stuff obviously and it's about one woman in particular, a young lady in Indianapolis, this community in Indianapolis where all the people are based, called Jacopa Ballard, is this young woman who realized that she didn't look like the other people in her household. And she got investigating, as I say, on that DNA website, 23andMe. And it quickly devolves into realizing that there are all these people who have siblings out and about in this place in Indianapolis. And they're almost starting to get worried that, you know, they may be dating their half-brothers and sisters. Bizarre, bizarre stuff. As, as I say, at the center of it is this Dr. Donald Klein. Now, it's uh, you know, on, on one level, it's a pretty shocking watch, as you can imagine, because this guy was awful and these people were lied to about, you know, their parentage. The only problem that I found with it was it doesn't dig very deep into it. It's a constant reveal of people realizing that they are a product of this doctor's sperm, but it doesn't dig deep or deep enough into what was motivating him. There is some mention of a religious dimension and that he was possibly part of this bizarre cult called Quiverful, which was attempting extreme procreation and to have as many children as possible in a way to do God's work or possibly do 
something quite fascist and racist and have as many white, blonde-haired, blue-eyed children as possible. And maybe this guy, Dr. Klein, had some connection to the district attorney's office. And there's all sorts of possible avenues for what motivated him. But the documentary doesn't really dig into those as much as you might have hoped. Uh, so I was left a little wanting. I, it's only 90 minutes and it's a one-off. I still think it's worth a watch for the simple telling of the story and the bizarre details involved in it. But could it dug a bit deeper? So uh, let me know if you might have watched Our Father, now available on Netflix. A decent watch, but left me wanting a little more. Now, I want to get to the uh, main event on the show this week. Simon Callow, the brilliant English actor, is coming to the Board Gosh Energy for the hit musical, the award-winning, the Tony-winning musical, Anything Goes. It's going to be in the Board Gosh Energy Theatre from the 18th of May to the 28th of May. And Anything Goes has the musical lyrics by Cole Porter. It's directed and choreographed by the three-time Tony Award winner Kathleen Marshall. Anything Goes goes back, I think, to the 30s or 40s, actually. It's kind of a musical farce about these three couples aboard a cruise liner crossing the Atlantic, I think it is. It's full of big musical numbers full of kind of because it, it was originally based on the novel of P.G. Woodhouse if I'm not mistaken so it's it's a traditional farce as I say it's gleaming all sorts of awards and the Guardian called it an antidote to everything it's a very uplifting kind of joyous traditional yet modern musical as I say Simon Callow plays a guy in it called Elijah Whitney, who's one of these three couples, very eccentric kind of fellow. Simon Callow is, I suppose, maybe, rightly or wrongly, most famous for playing Gareth in Four Weddings and a Funeral. He was the guy who dies in it. But he's done so much more. He's been in movies like A Room with a View, Shakespeare in Love. He's been in all sorts of TV shows. I remember one from the 80s, Chance in a Million which I remember people loved at the time. He's written books. Uh, he's written lots of books about Orson Welles. He's still writing them. He was one of the first actors to publicly come out gay uh, in his book, Being an Actor, back in the 80s, which wasn't easy to do back then. A fascinating guy, a gorgeous, timorous voice, kind of similar to Orson Welles in some ways. Anyway, I got to meet him this week in the Borgosh Energy Theatre. We talked about Anything Goes and a bit more besides. Simon, lovely to meet you. You too. Uh, you know, Cole Porter tunes, two couples out at sea. You play this, I think you described him as a slightly functional alcoholic. I read this thing in The Guardian where they said it's an antidote to everything. So it sounds completely joyous. Did you just get this and think, you know what? I need this. The world needs this. Well, I, I saw it last year, you know, at the Barbican. Mm -hmm. and it was one of the first shows to open in London mm. after the pandemic. Yeah. And it was... It was almost like a religious experience because it was such a joy. It was a reunion of the audience and the actors and yeah. the musicians. It, it, it was uh, um, a, a, a real um, tonic and mm. uh, um, like a jab of vitamin B12 or something like that. <laughs> it was really just great. And I thought it, it reminds you of what the theatre can really do do mm. when, when actors and audience get in touch with each other and if you have a, a, a composer of genius and lyricist of genius like like Cole Porter mm. then you're really uh, you can't fail and and it was, it was stunning also it's a fantastic pro product of the Broadway machine 
Right. Uh, the, the choreographer director Kathleen Marshall is an absolute mistress of that, the genre, the 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 the, the, the build of energy is absolutely spectacular, and it that's the thing that gets people up on their feet. I mean, they just you you hear get whoops of joy coming out of the <laughs> audience. It's very pleasing. And you dance in this. I've seen I you do lots of things, but I don't think I've ever seen you dance. Well, you've seen me dance in Four Weddings and a Funeral, probably, but that may not I thought that was Macbeth. I thought <laughs> we weren't going to mention that. <laughs> but uh, that, that uh, uh, had unfortunate consequences, of course, in Four Weddings and a Funeral. But, um, uh, yeah, I have, I've, I've danced in my time. Um, tap dancing is a, a new uh, yeah. event for me, uh, which I'm still um, mastering. And uh, But the big number... Uh, blow Gabriel Blow that I'm in. Mm. I mean, there's number after number after yeah. number, but that's the big one that I'm in. Right, okay. It's incredibly tiring and demanding, um, but incredibly joyful as well. Uh, and uh, was there much preparation for this? I mean, were you out, you know, pumping iron or anything? <laughs> 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 well, I'm, I, I like to keep fit, generally yeah. speaking. And uh, it's, a, it's more a question of just mastering the, the, the steps. And okay. They're wonderfully patient about all of that. And uh, it's a, it's, it is a joy to be part of, you know, 30, 32 people on yeah. stage just giving it every last ounce of energy that they have. And your character, you mention him as a, a functioning alcoholic. He's, I mean, just tell us a slight bit about him. There's, there's a touch of farce to what he does, but he's one of the protagonists nonetheless. Well, Elijah, uh, uh, Elijah J. Yeah. Whitney and, uh, and uh, uh, Evangeline Harcourt are one of the three couples that get married mm. at the end. And so he's a romantic mm. uh, uh, and an alcoholic. These two things do go together often quite well. <laughs> and a very, 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 very rich man indeed. Mm. And uh, 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 quirky, uh, mm. without question. Um, he, he has a toy dog with which he often attacks people. <laughs> and, uh, so he's a, a genuine eccentric. Yeah, And okay. uh, very delightful people to play. And finally then, just on that, Cole Porter. I mean, you know, I was actually listening to some of the tunes this morning just as a, as a way to pass the train when I knew I was going to be talking to you. Yeah. They never age, sure no, they don't. They're fantastic. Even when you don't exactly know the references, in mm. like you're the top, yeah. that it's still just so buoyant and witty. But my, my favorite little couplet is um, in Anything Goes. If, it says, if May West you like, if me undressed you like, anything goes. <laughs> that is a great couplet. <laughs> I'll have to remember that one. Yes. It's funny I'd heard that before I was married. <laughs> anyway. Let me ask you this. Uh, you probably know this better than I do, but last week was Orson Welles' birthday. Yeah. And you have written three books about him, and yeah. you're, you're not finished yet. Yes, uh, yes. There's one more to come. Yeah. Had you any idea when you started that, that this was going to, you know, take over your life to a certain extent, that you were going to write four books about one person? Well, oddly enough, I, I did get a, 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 a sense of it right at the beginning, because I was going to write about his theatre, mm. simply. Uh, uh, but all the people I spoke to, and I spoke to everybody mm. who'd ever worked with Orson, and they all said, well, you're doing the work of a biography. Why don't you just write a biography? So I said, well, okay, why not? And so I went to my publisher in America, and I said to him, look, I've, uh, um, th I, I'd like to make it a, a biography, yeah. and uh, it'll be in three volumes, I said. First volume will end with Citizen Kane, second with Chimes at Midnight, mm. and the last one, I said, which will take him to his death, will be a novel. And wow. he's, he, he looked at me pityingly and he said, <laughs> young man, he said, you, if you are very lucky, will be allowed to write this book in two volumes, neither of which will be a novel. 
I, I, I said, okay, fine, I'll, I'll do my best. So uh, the first volume does end with yeah. Citizen Kane. The next volume was supposed to end with Chimes at Midnight, but I found the next five years of his life after Citizen Kane so completely compelling and extraordinary and largely unknown, mm. sort of wilderness years for okay. Wells, when amongst other things, he was being touted as uh, the first Secretary General of the United Nations. Wow. He uh, uh, wrote a political column in the newspaper. He was a radio comedian who depped for Jack Benny, who was the funniest man in America. I mean, it's an astonishing period. So, mm. so then, and then I thought, well, I'll just need a last volume. To, but no, that proved not to be the case either. Because everything that Wells did was extraordinary. Whether it worked or not, it was always larger than life. Yeah. It was always absolutely um, original and quirky. And uh, um, uh, one needed to go into all of that yeah. to say how it came to be, how these things came to be. Now, the last volume will tell us how it came that he didn't make films in the last mm. 20 years of his life, just two films, each of them just a bit over an hour long for television, both very interesting indeed, but not at all the masterpieces, uh, the, the masterpieces that, that we should have had and that he should have made. Super, and that's due this year, next year? Well, I'm, I'm writing it now, on the road actually, with okay. Anything Goes, and, uh, uh, but it's a big book. And yeah. uh, uh, the amount of research that I have is Titanic okay. in its or sonic in its right. size. Wow, or sonic in its size. That's good. You've done this before. You've yeah. done interviews before. Tell me this. I spoke to Fiona Shaw, uh, oh, yeah. a great actress once, and we were talking about her career, and she said, you know, it's the strangest thing. I've been on stages all over the world. I've done every kind of movie imaginable. And I spent a few days on a set one day, and everyone in the world talks to me about a film called Harry Potter. I wasn't even sure if I should mention Four Weddings and a Funeral, but you brought it up. Isn't it strange that you probably spent, you know, the guts of a week maybe on that movie? Uh, six, six weeks. Was it six oh, yeah, weeks? Yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. But yet it's a, it's a small part of your whole acting career, yet yeah. it seems to be this calling card for you. Do you have mixed feelings about that now, or are you... Look, I'm delighted that the film that most people remember me for is such a good film mm. and will continue to be watched. Um, the disadvantage has been that people expect that I am like <laughs> Gareth in real life. So a lot of people get very disappointed when I'm not quite as expansive as uh, Gareth, exactly. <laughs> um, and maybe uh, a lot of uh, um, directors have thought, oh, well, that's what he does. Mm -hmm. And I, I hope to, to goodness it isn't the only thing that I do. And uh, um, uh, I'm a part of me as Gareth, but only a part of me. Sure, sure. Another part of you, I was thinking this morning, the first thing I ever saw you in, we used to get the English channeled, uh, channels in Little Old Ireland on a thing called Pipe Television. Oh, right. And there was a show my family used to watch called Chance in a Million. Wonderful show. Yeah, and, and I was Googling that, as you, as you do these yeah, days, yeah, yeah. and it has this kind of cult yeah, following it now. It, 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 and it was three series. Have you any particular memories that I just remember it being very funny and my parents howling laughing. I was yeah. slightly too young to remember it entirely, but I was looking at this more and it, there's a whole yeah. village dedicated to it now. It, yes, it's unique. Yeah. It, I, I, I've never done a show quite like it. The characters were so Im wonderfully imagined by the writers. And this character that I played who spoke exactly like Alfred Jingle in uh, um, uh, Pickwick Papers uh, without personal pronouns uh, went to store mm. uh, sat down uh, got sick uh, um, very unhappy uh, uh, and uh, was a sort of romantic uh, um, uh, dreams of the past um, and Brenda Blethyn yes. who played opposite me and I think it was her 
first big television thing. Uh, uh, she was just wonderfully mousy and yet wildly sexy. Uh, and there was an episode where <laughs> she takes off most of her clothes, which sent the nation insane. Wow. Um, uh, the only reason we stopped doing it, because yeah. it was so wonderful, was because the writers were, it's an unusual problem, were too inventive. They just started inventing more and more and more and more characters. And we, the characters that Brenda and I played, found ourselves a bit sidelined. Okay. And so we all sort of saw that this was happening and decided to stop it. But then it disappeared without trace. It was very successful. Yeah. It was on Channel 4 first, then it was on ITV generally, mm. and hugely successful, much admired, very brilliantly written up, and then it just disappeared. Yeah, wasn't on television for years and years. Now it's on DVD, thank God. So Absolutely. Well, it was lovely to meet you and continued success. Thank you. Ah, yes, the wonderful Simon Callow there talking to me about, well, his life and times, but also his starring role in Anything Goes, the hit musical, which is coming to the Board Gosh Energy Theatre from the 18th of May to the 28th. And my thanks to Mr. Callow, who I got to meet in person which was nice. Now, in a completely unrelated manner, we have a competition this week. We have three pairs of tickets for the premiere of the Bob's Burgers movie. Yes, of the Emmy award-winning series, which you probably know from TV. This is an animated big screen musical commentary mystery adventure version of the same said animated series on TV. In the movie, the story begins when a ruptured water main creates an enormous sinkhole right in front of Bob's Burgers, blocking the entrance indefinitely and and ruining the Belcher's plan for a successful summer. While Bob and Linda struggle to keep the business afloat, the kids try to solve a mystery that could save their father's restaurant. Uh, Bob's Burgers is all about this fictional family and the dad of which runs Bob's Burger restaurant, if you know the show. As I say, we have three pairs of tickets for the premiere, which is on the 24th of May in the Lighthouse Cinema in Smithfield. Doors open at six. The film begins at seven. We have three tickets, three pairs of tickets to give away. Please do not enter if you can't be at the Lighthouse Cinema on the 24th of May. But if you can, why not text the word burgers followed by your name to 53106 or even email screentime at newstalk.com texting the word or emailing the word burgers to screentime at newstalk.com and the wonderful Anne-Marie Kane will pick a winner. And the Bob's Burger movie is in Irish cinemas from May the 27th. Up next, Mark Ryle on the week's new releases, which include a glorious and beautiful new Irish movie. Now you're welcome back to Screen Time, News Talks TV and Movie Show, and I'm John Fardy. We turn to the week's new releases, and this week we're looking at the much-talked-about Irish movie, and it's Irish-language movie as well, mostly, on Colleen Kuhn, and also a very different movie starring Mark Wahlberg as a late-blooming priest in Father Stew. More of that anon. Talking of late... Ah, no, I won't do it. I won't do it. He's, he's neither an Ancolian Cuan or a late-blooming priest, but it is the one and only Mark Ryle. Hello, Mark. Hey, John. How are you doing? Very well. I'm very well. I've seen both these movies this week, so that's good. So, you know... I was going to say, lucky you, but I mean, 
<laughs> Let the battle commence. Well, I certainly enjoyed on Colleen yeah. uh, Q1, I have to say. Uh, t- let's start with that one. Uh, tell sure. our listeners, you, people have seen news clips about this and it's it's won awards. It's been much talked about even before it's gotten a cinema release. It has, yeah. I think we screened as part of the Dublin Film Festival. Indeed. And it's been on the festival circuit and it's been slowly building and uh, rightly so. It's the, it's, uh, it's the first feature from uh, writer-director Colin Barade and it's based on a short story by Claire Keegan. Uh, it is, as a you said... A novella, technically, but anyway. Novella. Indeed, yeah, yeah. Thanks for pulling me up on that. I haven't read it or anything, so... I haven't read it either, actually. I'm not familiar with it. But as you say, it's most... The dialogue is mostly in Irish, which um, normally I wouldn't go running towards, but it's 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 fantastic. It's a, it's really a lovely little movie. Um, so I suppose let's get to the plot. Um, as the title suggests, uh, Coit is indeed... She's very quiet, but she's not quiet in a, in a peaceful and, you know, content way. Um, hers is a quiet nervousness that comes from living in a, a dysfunctional home with neglectful parents. And she's surrounded by a seemingly endless supply of, of louder and much brasher siblings. Um, so uh, Akoit's mother is, is addled with offspring, you could say. And once again, pregnant with yet another sister or brother on the way. Uh, her father is a borderline alcoholic. He's a largely absent presence, but there's a there's definitely an air of menace whenever he is around. So uh, Court is dealing with a lot of trauma in a very quiet, subdued way. Um, and during the school holidays, she gets offloaded onto her aunt and uncle, Eileen and Sean, who are played uh, brilliantly by Carrie Crowley and Andrew Bennett. Yes, and we should mention the young girl who plays the aforementioned quiet girl is a young actress, uh, Catherine Clinch. Catherine Clinch, she's incredible. She really is, she really is. So that's a great synopsis of it. Uh, You really liked it, right? It's a lovely movie, yeah. I mean, the setup sounds very downbeat and sad, but on Colin Kuhn, it's not a sad film. Um, I suppose you could say that it covers the period in Court's life when things start to go right for her. Um, when she gets a little bit of relief from her miserable existence and she finally starts to get a little bit of badly needed nurturing. Um, and when she when she arrives at this, there's a very um, memorable scene when she arrives at her new temporary home and the contrast between where she's come from and where she's arrived at is, is stark. She's, she's used to this grotty and dank overcrowding and sleeping on a bare mattress. And uh, Eileen, who I think is her, her mother's, I think Eileen is her aunt, mm. um, but Eileen's home, it's bright and it's clean and it's warm and uh, Coit doesn't really know how to process it all. Um, Eileen, the aunt, is a very, she's very loving and nurturing and she's, she's really relishing the opportunity of having, I suppose, a vessel for her maternal instincts. Um, the husband, Sean, is a much harder nut to crack, but crack he eventually does. And it's it's these little connections that make on Colleen Kuhn such a pleasure. It's got a, a really, it's a lovely languid pace. It's not slow now, but it, I think it's paced just right so that when these little connections begin to form, they, they do feel very organic and, uh, and genuine. 
Yeah. Now, it's funny you say it's not a sad movie. And I know what you're saying and that this isn't some misery piece about, you know, rural Ireland, pigs in the kitchen, oh, the poor crater. But it is sad at times. I I, I did find it sad and melancholy, even though there's a lot of joy in it as well. I mean, the home she's fleeing from is, you know, I wasn't even sure if that was her mother at times because there's such a lack of paternal yeah. affection now and that that's not a criticism but i just mean it, it's it's awful and the contrast to where she goes is is beautifully rendered so there was almost a sadness in the joy at times if you know what i'm saying yeah i think i had something in my eye at the end of it oh man like we won't we won't we don't want to put the car before the horse but it has a it has a beautiful ending yeah and, really sorry b- back to you this is what happens when we both see them i want equal airtime, you know but well, I'm more than happy to let you add it um i think yeah it, it does it's it's a it's it's melancholy i suppose is the best word yeah. uh, term for it um it deals in that particularly irish brand of uh repressed emotion you know mm. there are, there are things we can talk about with ease like hay and jam yeah and yeah things that we can't talk easily about like grief or sadness yeah and um, i think it's 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 a it's it's a it's it's a really it's a lovely lyrical piece of work and it's emotionally it's very expressive but it's a, it's in a very calm and measured way you know it's not it's not melodramatic and it 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 just it earns i think it earns the the emotional um catharsis Absolutely. There's absolutely nothing schmaltzy about this, which is no. so brilliantly done. And you know, that, some of the some of yeah, the characters, but, like right. her father, you say, uh, you know, he's a, he's a menacing presence, but uh, he's slowly revealed. It's not like a, a stage Irish bad dad. You're no, not no, sure no. what his vibe is for, for long parts of it. And there is a threat and you're not sure if that threat's going to come to anything in a way. And similarly, her you know the new family she goes to the dad and that played brilliantly by andrew bennett yeah, it takes incredible. it takes as you say it's a long time to figure out what his motivation is yeah. but what he does in the role is i god i didn't see it come on the way it played out it was beautiful i know i know yeah it really is it's, it's organic i have to quit like again we touched on catherine clinch we just, she's just phenomenal yeah you know, amazing quite is a very meek insular character but there is a real confidence behind Catherine Clinch that 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 really uh, surpasses her years, and she's incredibly low key and subtle. Um, but it's really self assured, but not in a show offy way. Yeah, it's a really it's a really moving performance. Yeah, absolutely. And it's funny at the, in the very early days, it was almost I wasn't sure if she was sad or if she was kind of confident and a little shy like it was just mm. it was such a brilliant performance for such a young girl carrie crowley's also wonderful in it yeah, as well yeah. and yeah. you know we didn't touch on it um i guess we won't really but carrie crowley and andrew bennett they're dealing with their own stuff before Koch, Probably, uh, before uh catherine's character arrives you know yeah i didn't really yeah we'll we'll, we'll, we'll leave that we'll, we'll we won't go into that. i'm just saying though there is a lot for them to do as well you know there is and yeah, they do yeah. it brilliantly and then also and I'm talking a lot, but I love this. The more mm. the more I think of it, it looked beautiful. It like at times, oh, yeah. this sounds like a strange thing to say, but it was like a Bergman movie at times. It was just it, the yeah. right amount of lingering camera, not to the yeah. point of pretentious, just the right amount of long takes, you know? Yeah, yeah, I agree. That yeah, the cinematographer is uh normal people's Kate McCulloch. Uh-huh. And she's uh 
she's she shot it using this the the boxy academy ratio now i know you love it when i start talking about <laughs> aspect ratios because it's radio you gold. had me at boxy <laughs> <laughs> but i was i was thinking about that afterwards and what that that choice meant uh, you know maybe it's because everything was square in the 1980s that it's it's set during the 1980s yeah but i think um it's because a lot of on Colleen kuhn it's told from court's perspective so you know the focus is on the small intimate details and that boxy ratio it kind of it focuses our attention on the little things that might mm. be lost on a wider frame. Yeah, very good point. Very good point. And, you know, all joking aside that the cinematography is wonderful in it and all, but at its, you know, like all great movies, there's a, a simple story here, you know, and it's about, you know, love a child and they'll flourish. Like in a way, that's really the source of the whole movie in a line. And it's beautifully rendered. It is. It's lovely. It's a, it's a lovely movie. Yeah. And just can I pick you up on one thing? Well, not pick you up on one thing. You know, you were saying you wouldn't be running towards an Irish language movie. And, you know, people of our generation maybe have a strange relationship with Irish. We studied it for 14 years. Half of us can't speak it. But, you know, I featured Iraq, that movie, brilliant movie last year in this show, a great Irish thriller early in the year called Dinner. And I just find that, you know, it, you 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 don't realize how much Irish you actually know until you see a great Irish movie, you know. Yeah, I mean, for me personally, it's it's more of a case of knee higgum. <laughs> <laughs> okay, then this isn't a fight I'm going to win in this case. But anyway, on the whole, I think you really like this. I really liked it as well. What would you say, stars wise, for Ancolian Kewen? I'm I'm going to give it a four. It's it's lovely. Yeah, I'm going to give it a four as well. On Colleen which is in cinemas from this Friday, the 13th of May. It's a big thumbs up from me and Mark. Yes. Now, great movie. Uh, a very different movie is. On Father, the other hand, <laughs> is Father Stew. And it's no, Father Stew, as the Americans would say, S T U. This doesn't have lamb shanks in it, or <laughs> does it? Okay, Mark, what's going on in Father Stew? There's a bit of mutton. Um, oh. Yeah, it's it's uh, it's a faith-based biopic that's produced by and starring uh, super Catholics Mel Gibson and that hallmark of quality Mark Wahlberg. Is Mark Wahlberg a very well-known card-carrying Catholic? I believe he gets up at half two in the morning to uh, pray and also to work out. Really? I believe so. Okay, right. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I thought you were making some joke there, but is that that's that's rumored to be the case, is it? I think so. I okay, mean, so yeah, but this faith is what he, and bodybuilding play a large part in his life. Then, yeah, same as me. Yeah, um, Wahlberg plays uh, Stuart Long. He was a, a boxer who quits boxing because of due to health reasons, and so then Stu has to figure out, or Stu, I'm going to do the same thing. <laughs> Stu has to figure out what he's going to do with the rest of his life. Um, he decides he wants to be an actor, so he moves to Hollywood, but he ends up working at a supermarket deli counter. And it is here that he falls for Teresa Ruiz's Sunday school teacher and devout Catholic. And eventually things happen and Stu makes the unlikely pivot into the priesthood. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. there's more trauma to come from that. Now, yeah. we have to say, I suppose it's based on an actual character, Stuart Long, who did have a degenerative condition similar to motor neuron disease and who did tragically die early. But I, I would like to, you know, that's undeniably tragic, but I would like to separate that from this. 
if yeah, you like. Yeah, but that, that, that is the source material. So this is based on a, on a real life character. I'm yeah. sensing you really didn't enjoy this. I think we might have a dif- different opinion on this. Um, uh, a bit, a bit. I mean, I didn't, you know, I'm not rushing out to, I'm not going to proselytize about it or anything. Okay. Pardon the pun. Yeah. Well, that the, <laughs> we'll get to the proselytizing. Um, it's a it's a it's a faith based mu- movie, as I said, and it's not a particularly well made one. It's it's a it's a movie that should really be on the God Channel rather than in cinemas. It is in <laughs> cinemas. Um, I think the only difference between a God Channel movie and this is that it has a bigger cast rather than you know, uh, Sabrina the Teenage Witch and the guy who used to play Superman on Clark and Lois, which is <laughs> who are usually in these types of movies. And um, the script is really unoriginal. It's full of cliches and it's it's also full to the brim of of scripture. Um, and the direction is pedestrian. There's no interesting hook that might drag it out of the, the mediocre, either in the main character or in the story. I like I went I, I it's written and directed by Rosalind Ross. OK, so obviously I had to go off and find and, and do some research on Rosalind Ross. It turns out that Rosalind Ross is uh, Mel Gibson's uh, current girlfriend. She's uh-huh. never made a movie before. I don't think she's ever written a movie before, but uh, she here here we are. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I don't like being in the position of criticizing a female filmmaker because God knows it's hard enough in this industry as it is. But mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's very very poor. Yeah, well, I I knew nothing about this uh, before I started. I didn't either. Yeah, yeah, and so I I agree with what you're saying. It's clearly a movie where you know they're whacking you over the head with it with a faith message, mm. but I did find Wahlberg's performance quite intriguing. Like I was surprised by where it all went. I thought he did a pretty good job as this almost you know joke of a guy who has a religious conversion for very serious reasons to do with an accident and stuff like that and then when he's dealing with this seriously life-limiting condition and i i thought he was pretty decent like i agree the plot was ropey enough Mm. but i also liked mel gibson plays his dad right yeah as as who's like thinks he's lost his marbles wanting to be a priest now i know that to some people could seem in very poor taste given mel gibson's views on the state of the world and things he might have said in the past but on its own terms i thought as this kind of lost father he wasn't bad and his mother jackie weaver was very good as well i thought yeah i strongly agree disagree rather strongly disagree okay you weren't sure there um are you yeah you can you could easily imagine somebody who's gone through something like a a life uh changing accident and all of that would um think about you know moving into the priesthood or something like that you know Mm -hmm. um but to be honest one thing doesn't lead to another in any kind of way that feels authentic and him deciding to become a priest, it's quite a big step, you know, and yeah. Wahlberg's decision in the context of this story, as it happens, it makes as much sense as him deciding to be, become an astronaut. And that is even taken into consideration that uh, his career path has already taken him from boxer to butcher to wannabe actor. So we're aware that this is a guy who doesn't really know what he, he wants to do. But it's it's that that pivot, It's it's not portrayed in any kind of manner that is in any way credible and it's just one example of many why this doesn't work now to get to the 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 preachy bit of it after about 20 minutes into this i did get the feeling that i was being preached at by 
Marky Mark, but I had no idea how bad things were about to get. Um, you know those scams you hear about where someone offers you a free lunch and then you end up sitting in a, a locked room listening to some chancer trying to get you to invest in some Bulgarian property pyramid scheme. That's what the second half of Father Stew felt like to me. <laughs> Wow. Okay. Uh, I'm not sure. It, not... It, it, it is really, really heavy on scripture and uh, suffering and what God wants from all of us. And um, I, 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 I certainly, a certain point, the only reasonable reaction to this is to just laugh at, at Wahlberg's audacity, you know? The fact that he's basically trying to preach from a cinema yeah, screen. Yeah. Exactly. Like someone somewhere said that, you know, having religion was like having a penis. It's fine. But if you take it out in public and start waving it in my face, then we're going to have a problem. And I think Father Stu is Wahlberg waving his religion in my face and trying to dress it up as art. Mm, okay. Mm. <laughs> so what about uh, Mel Gibson and Jackie Weaver? Yeah, I did. Like Jackie, me, throughout this, right, as I said, his behavior, like Wahlberg's character's behavior is inconsistent from one scene to the next. Either I think that there was a lot cut out or it is just poorly written. And I think it's probably the latter. Jackie Weaver, as his mother, I think I thought she was given dialogue that would never come out of the mouth of a normal person. She was just kind of, it was fortune cookie stuff, you know. Um, I You go ahead. No, and um, what about Mel Gibson? Yeah, I, I'd like, I don't know what Mel Gibson was trying to convey in this. Um, there was no, there was no background to his, his character, you know, for, for, for some inexplicable reason. Also, he, he goes around with a gun practically glued to his hand. And at one point he goes into the bathroom and of course there's the gun lying on the sink. And I swear, I almost thought he was going to squeeze toothpaste onto the barrel and start brushing his teeth with it. <laughs> I've never seen, I think this is going to really play very well to that small section of, you know, gun and God loving Bible belt America. But I, uh, you, I'm afraid you- yeah, Do you ahead. not think the gun thing was meant to be more this guy's only 30 seconds away from the edge, maybe? No? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> you weren't reading too deeply into it. The toothpaste explanation is probably better. Okay. No, I, I see what you're saying, and it's funny. The proselytizing, I'm seeing it more now as you say it. I think I was more curious, where's this going the whole time? But when I sit back and reflect on it, it it is really hitting you over the head with, with a Christian message, you know? To, Which... To- you yeah. know, they're, they're entitled to do if they want. They are, yeah. But I mean, to a staggering extent. Yeah. And it was it was just, as I said, his audacity is just, is, 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 <laughs> it just you have to, you have to laugh. <laughs> you I'm almost to afraid to ask, but uh, what are you going to say stars wise? Uh, I'm going to give it one and a half. Okay. Okay. It's, it's God awful. <laughs> okay. Oh, there's a pun in there, folks. I'm going to give it two. Uh, okay. I thought it had some redeeming features to continue the biblical theme. So yeah. that is one and a half from Mark, two from me for Father Stu now in cinemas. You're not missing much, but you are missing a brilliant Irish movie if you don't go and see it in the cinema on Colleen Kewen, which Mark and I gave four stars to. Mark, thanks a million. Thanks, John. Mark Ryle reviewing Father Stu and the gorgeous Irish movie on Colleen Kewen, which are both now in Irish cinemas. Up next, breakout star of Heartstopper on Netflix, Joe Locke. 
Now you're welcome back to Screen Time News Talks TV and Movie Show. Now last week I was telling you about a great show on Netflix called Heartstopper. Having been bullied at school in the preceding year, having come out to the world, a young man called Charlie is finding it tough to stay in a steady relationship and he's probably picked the wrong boyfriend. He's got three really close pals who are helping him through it all though, but he's still choosing to eat alone in the art room at lunchtime. However, one day he's paired with a seemingly rugby-loving but sweet boy called Nick, played by Kit Connor, and they have a very interesting few weeks ahead. As I mentioned last week, the show is absolutely delightful, and I'm glad I gave it such a good review because the man who plays Charlie is a young man called Joe Locke, and I'm delighted to say he's on the line now. Hi, Joe. How are you? Hi, I'm good, thank you. How are you? I'm very well. Listen, you know, I mentioned in the intro there how much I enjoyed the show, and the great thing is I'm not lying because it's on last week's show. So have you been surprised by... You know, I think it was number nine in the Irish viewing charts last week. Have you been surprised by how loved it's been so far? Yeah, yeah. I think we never, we always saw the show as our like little show that we'd made and not really many people were going to watch it. And then it's sort of like just blown up in the last few weeks, which has just, I think, been a little bit crazy, but it's been amazing. (laughs) Yeah, well, you seem to be handling it pretty well. I gather, you know, you said something along the lines that Charlie's a lot like you, except you're a bit more extrovert. Is that accurate? Yes, that is very accurate. <laughs> and how are you similar? Um, I think Charlie overthinks everything. And I do the same. Like Every conversation I have with someone, I walk away thinking that they hate me. And definitely Charlie is the same. <laughs> and he's very, he's, he's quite highly strung. He gets quite emotional about things. And I am very much the same with that and I think we've got we've got a very similar outlook in the world and and, and the way the world works and in terms of you know uh, being bullied in school or anything like that did any of that resonate with you um not as much I think I've I've, I had a really lovely experience at school obviously there are people who aren't so nice but Mm -hmm. I definitely didn't didn't get bullied in the same way that Charlie has Glad to hear it. And tell me this, you are what we call an amateur actor, or certainly were until all this started. And you just kind of almost sent a tape in like lots of other people. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. They did, they did an open call, which just means that you didn't have to have an agent to audition. Anyone could put themselves forward for it. And a family friend sent sent it to me and was like, Joe, you should, you should go for this. And then I did. And then here we are. Yeah, it's, it's, it was pretty crazy. And I don't know, you know, here, here's a guy who's probably just been on stage and stuff, never been on a film set. You're only 18 years of age, as far as I understand it. Yeah, yeah. What was it like being on a, you know, a high rig Netflix film set? It was very surreal. It was the <laughs> first few days were a bit overwhelming and I was, wasn't really sure what anyone did. I, but I had, I had Kit, who was a very seasoned actor and has been in lots of things, who was there to help me and had any questions I had or any like embarrassing questions about what does that person do? I really should know what to do. <laughs> I would just ask him and he would just tell me. So it was, it was really great to have him sort of support me through that. You, Kid O'Connor is the chap opposite you. It's a beautiful relationship between the two of you. And I wonder, did you have to do a lot of, I don't know, rehearsal? You just seem to be very together in each other's company and very relaxed i mean did you have to work on that outside of the show or did you just instantly kind of hit it off i think it's it's a a mix of both i think we instantly had like a a very good chemistry with each other and we got Mm. on really well quite quite quickly but also i mean like spending 12 hours a day with someone for six months is you you form a bond quite quickly and Mm. when you're going through such a unique experience together that you yeah you form a bond really quickly and kit is just one of the most lovely people and he's very warm and 
and very welcoming. And it was very easy to sort of create that bond with him. It's based on a, a well-known young adult series of novels. And as far as I know, there's three books. So the obvious question is, is there going to be another series? I mean, we would love that to be another series, but in order for another series, everyone needs to watch and rewatch and tell their friends to watch season one. Okay. But yeah. Well, I mean, we, we would... We've been doing that, so... Yes, yes. All the great work. But yes, yeah. we would love that to be, but it is up to the big N. Yes, indeed it is. Well, hopefully they're listening. They set up this uh-huh. interview, so I'm sure they are. Tell me this. Uh, you are currently, as you're talking to me, taking a break from your studies. As I mentioned, you are 18. So you're about to sit your A-levels. I am. I'll be actually in an exam hall this time next week doing wow. my first exam. Okay. And what are, what is, we have a slightly different system here, but you're only, I presume, doing not only, it's huge, but it's three subjects, is it? Yeah, three subjects, but they're very like very detailed in, yeah. in the subjects. And what are your three subjects? History, politics, and English literature. Ah, uh-huh. well yes. well it, it, it had to be English, obviously. So yeah. that's good to hear. Yes. The first time I I'm a lot older than you, but the first time I was ever out of the country, as in Ireland was to the Isle of Man when I was really? four. Wow. It was the first holiday I ever took with my family. And we went on a boat uh, because that's how you did it back then. And okay. I, I haven't been back since. And that was 40 years ago or 42 years ago. But I have a glorious memory of it. I just thought it was the most incredible place and cats with no tails. And I know yeah. I sound like a terrible tourist and you're probably no, rolling you're your eyes. Cool. But, but what was the Isle of Man like as a place to grow up? I mean, it really probably hasn't changed that much in 40 years as much as it has. <laughs> it was, it, okay. it's, a, it's, such, it's such a beautiful place and it's such a lovely place to grow up because it's so safe. Like I would be able to be out at night and my mum wouldn't worry, worry about where I was or who I was with because it, it's such a loving and safe place. Yeah. But it's also, it's, it's a very small place and I think that a lot of younger people sort of feel a bit trapped here. But okay. I think now I've, now I've spent more time in the UK, I've come to appreciate my home more and when I come back I, I I appreciate it for what it is which is I think is quite nice yeah absolutely well I, I must get back and you know last week when I was raving about the show I was saying that you know and and I think someone accused me of being something along the lines of heteronormative but that with a great love story the sexuality the gender of it none of it really matters the fact that this is a is a gay love story is important of course and we need to see that reflected but what i found interesting about it was that i forgot halfway through that it had anything to do with any kind of sexuality it was just about two people falling or not falling in love and trying to negotiate romance have have you noticed that reaction to it of course it's a gay story but it's yeah. it's a love story as well i think know? i think we have been a bit shocked in the how it slipped sort of into the mainstream i think we'd always saw it as oh well it will get it, it, its its audience that would watch the show for the fans of the novels. Mm. But I think it's so great that it's been able to slip into the mainstream and just become a show that everyone, everyone's talking about. Yeah. Like you're saying, it's about love. And I think that it's a sign of changing times when people can watch a show and just see love. Yes, exactly. Exactly. Yeah, it's a very beautiful thing. Yeah, very well said. And listen, finally, then I have to ask. So you get these A levels out of the way, and I'm sure you'll do very well because you strike me as a smart fellow. So, so what's next then? Are you going to become an actor full time? Or I would, I would love to. I'd love to. I think if I didn't take this and run with it, I'd be stupid. So mm. I'm gonna try my hardest and, and and see what happens. And then, if all fails, I'll just retake my A levels and get better grades and then go to uni. <laughs> 
I'm sure that won't happen. As I say, Heartstopper is a wonderful show now available to stream on Netflix. At the last time I checked, it was number eight in the Irish chart. So as Joe said, everyone should watch it and drive it up those charts and hopefully we'll get a second series. Joe, lovely to speak to you and good luck with nice your speak A-levels. To you. Thank you. Thanks. Joe Locke there, the star of the gorgeous Heartstopper, which we raved about last week and uh, I'm raving about it again this week on Netflix. It is well worth a watch. All about love in your teenage years uh, in a school in England. Absolutely delightful stuff. And my thanks to Joe. That is it for this week. My thanks to Anne-Marie Kane, who helped out on the show as always. Just remind you, if you want to get in touch with me at any stage, please do so. John underscore Fardy is my Twitter handle or you can email me screentime at newstalk.com Remember, this show is available as a podcast every week. You can listen to it at any time of day or night from Fridays at 5 on Newstalk.com or the Newstalk app powered by Go Loud. And it's on the radio every Saturday at 6pm right here on Newstalk, although it was out at 7 this week. Enjoy the rest of your weekend and take care.